0: Okay, I'm on. So, uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you can turn to John chapter 15. Uh, so the last few weeks, actually the last nine, ten weeks, we were working through a series called Core, where we were looking at some of the core values uh, that we would hold to, that would be the, the values that would kind of shape the way that we uh, the, uh, that would kind of bring bring shape to the church and the way that we uh, live our lives as believers and for me particularly I just thought that was such a helpful series for us to work our way through Um, but this week we're going to be starting a new series. You may have uh, seen on the notices or perhaps through the email you'd have seen that it's called Abide uh, and we're going to be spending a few weeks uh, working through this series together, this Abide series together and this morning, my, my intention and-, and what I have in mind to do is really just to, to kind of introduce the series. We're going to touch on some things, but the main thing will be an introduction to this series, kind of explaining where it's come from uh, and what the purpose of it is, why we're doing it, because I feel actually it's helpful for us to, to be aware of, of where, where series come from or what the purpose is behind, because it just helps us to, to know actually what are, we, what, are we looking to, uh, what are we looking to see come out of it. What what should be our mindset when we gather uh, over these coming weeks, in terms of what we're looking to see uh, and what we're hoping for God to do among us? So I want to just start by by explaining where this series came from, where the idea of it came from. As I say, because what I hope is that it will help us to understand why we feel that this series is the right one for us at this time. Uh, And it was a few weeks ago. I uh, um, was starting to think through knowing that the, the the core series was coming to an end thinking okay so God what have you got for us next we know we've got the Christmas events coming up and the Christ- Christmas services coming up but we've got this period of time in between is there something that actually God you want to be saying to us is there something about the season we're in or, or where you've got us at the minute that you want to speak into and I wasn't really hearing much um, from God particularly um, but that this, this one day I knew I was going to be meeting up with Pete McVeigh and Phil Stiles, we were going to be getting together that evening and spending some time together and I just felt a sense of actually I feel like something's going to come out of the time I spend with these guys and the conversations that we have that will just kind of inspire something or bring something together that actually would be able to, to bring to the church and to spend some time teaching through uh, and thinking on as part of the new series. And, uh, I thought, okay, so I'll, I'll spend time with these guys and maybe at some point in the night I might just say, look, is there anything that you feel could work for a series or something that you're aware of within the church where actually you feel like God's saying this would be a good thing to focus on? But uh, I didn't actually need to bring it up uh, just because conversation happened in such a way where, um, where, where we, were, we ended up talking about things that actually have helped to bring this series together and it started really... We we were thinking about everyone a witness. I think you've been following where Dave Barham had been with us, speaking about everyone a witness, and we were talking about actually uh, we we can have these sermons, or we can have people come in and and do teaching and encourage us, Uh, but we we don't want them just to stand as as one-offs, just as as standalone things. Actually, we're aware that we need to continue being encouraged in these things. We need to continue being equipped, that it's not just enough for for one person to come in and say that this is what God has called you to, and this is what we need to be doing. Actually, each one of us as disciples needs needs to be equipped uh, and to feel encouraged and and trained in and, uh, and to gain confidence in the things that God is calling us too. And so we were talking about actually that there's the ongoing need to be able to do that and then conversation then flowed. Pete was talking about actually what he sensed God was doing among us as a church and uh, this is a conversation that i would had with him previously that he kind of picked up on this. Just that as, as a church we, we feel like we're in a season where God has given us opportunity and given us space to grow deeper in love for one another and that's something that I've been feeling and I've been talking to Pete about it and he's like, actually I feel that that really is what God's doing among us. There is this opportunity and space for us to be growing in love for one another uh, in this season that we're in. And then we were, um, conversation then went on to, we we weren't speaking about specific people or specific situations, but just having this general awareness that, that a lot of people are going through tough situations, a lot of people are facing pressure And so we were talking about, okay, so how then do we navigate these situations together well? How, what is it to be a body together, a people together who who, who journey through things together well, uh, while also seeking to be faithful to the call to be witnesses of Jesus wherever he has placed us? And that can be quite a challenge, can't it, in terms of we know what God has called us to, but we have uh, different pressures and different things that we go through. So how do we work that through well, but not just as individuals, but corporately, because God has called us together to be a family, hasn't he? A people together. So what does it look like for us to do that well? And so we'd, we'd, kind of the conversation had got to this point. And then Pete took us to, to John 15 and to some words that Jesus spoke to his disciples And in these verses in John 15 and what Pete kind of opened up to us and we started chatting through was uh, we've got Jesus and he's speaking about this word abiding, what it is to abide in him. And he speaks about fruitfulness and he speaks about prayer and obedience and he speaks about love for one another. And for the three of us as we were chatting I think there was this sense among us that actually this is where we should dwell as a church for a few weeks in these words of Jesus in John 15. And in terms of kind of where where we've come to in the conversations and actually what's God saying to us? Where do we feel God has us at the minute? What can we see happening in the church and and, and, and what we can see happening in people's lives? And we just felt actually John 15 where Jesus is speaking about what it is to abide in him would be be the right place for us to dwell for a number of weeks. So that's kind of where it has come from. Um, So we have called the series Abide. It is all going to be about Jesus' words in John 15 and just right at the outset... Uh, you know, kind of thinking about what this word abide means and and if there's kind of an overarching theme that runs through these verses or or a theme that will run throughout this series is this, it's all about being connected to and remaining in Jesus. That's what it's going to be about, about being connected to and remaining in Jesus. And I think it's a timely message for us now, but actually we could have, in all honesty, we could have done this at any point and it would be a timely message. For us. Because it's something that we all need to be, not just to be aware of, but actually something we need to be uh, living out. And really giving ourselves to. So that's where it come from. But there's also a couple of other prophetic words that I've uh, been thinking about a lot. Having having had these conversations and thinking, okay, so we're going to spend some time in John 15. Thinking about what it means to abide. Uh, these two prophetic words that... I, I keep coming back to you, I've come back to you for, for a number of years, but they particularly have been thinking about them quite a lot over the last few weeks. Uh, and one of them was that what was prayer and equipping must have been five, maybe six years ago, maybe even more. And someone had a word of, of encouragement and they were talking about, they, they just spoke it over everyone that was there. And they were speaking about, it was a picture of going on a walk with Jesus. And as the walk was going on, the, ter- the, the, the terrain was changing. And there was a point where actually it was started off quite easy, but then it was going up a hillside and then going up a mountainside. and things were, uh, Parts of that were more perilous and more tricky, parts were easier. And just this kind of this journey through through life with Jesus, through the, se- through the different seasons, through times that felt easier, through times that felt harder, through pressures and trials. Uh, and it kind of was walking, just talking through, going on this walk with Jesus. And he, this guy kept saying the same thing. And that he just felt, as he was walking with Jesus, Jesus kept saying, stay close to me. Stay close to me. Through the different stages. And I just remember, he just kept repeating over and over again. Stay close to me. Stay close to me. Stay close to me. And at the time, I remember thinking, okay, you've said this a lot. But I'm so glad he did, because it stuck with me. Because that was the overriding message in this. In terms of whatever we're going through... Whatever, in terms of our journey, whatever place we're in, whatever season we're in, there's this call of Jesus to us saying, stay close to me. That's what I need you to do. So that was one of the words that has stuck with me. And then there was a a word pretty much two years ago, uh, in November, two years ago, uh, that was a word that was spoken to me at an elders and wives weekend away. And again, the, the detail in terms of Of what was actually shared isn't massively important but it was about again saying this is the season that God is going to be bringing you into but it's okay because God is in control and he's got it all in hand and he knows what he's doing and the one thing that I was called to do that God was calling me to do was this keep walking with him God was going to be moving and God was going to be doing things But actually, the one thing that I was meant to do, rather than saying, actually, Sam, I feel God is saying, this is the strategy you need to put in place. Or this is the part that God has for you to do. He's saying, actually, the one thing that you need to do is this, is just keep walking with him. He will do what he needs to do. My responsibility, keep walking with him. So there are these two uh, words that have really stuck with me. Jesus saying, stay close to me. And this other word saying, keep walking with him. You see, my tendency, particularly if I'm in a situation where perhaps it's not going the way that I might want it to or the way I might expect it to, my tendency is I will try and find solutions to make things change. Or I'm going to try and make something happen to see the situation change. Or my default can be, okay, I'm going to look to what others are doing and if it seems that what they're doing is working, then maybe I might take hold of what they're doing. And, and bring it in and see whether it makes any difference. Whether I'm talking about my, my, personal, my personal walk with Jesus, my growth and my maturity, or whether I'm thinking about my family, the church, whatever area it might be, sometimes my tendency can be, actually, this isn't quite going, or maybe I'm not seeing what I thought I'd be seeing, or I want to see change in here. And my tendency can almost to be default to rely on myself or to rely on others to bring about change. But above all, I need to stay close to Jesus. I need to keep walking with him. That is what I have been called to do. And I think it's true for us all. Again, whether we're thinking about our own growth and maturity, whether we're thinking about our family, whether we're thinking about our church, the thing that we need to do above all else is to stay close to him. It is to remain in him. What I'm not saying is that... It, and. I'm not saying that it's not good to learn from other people. I'm not saying actually, you you know, I honestly believe that God has given us wisdom and grace and gifts in order that we are able to to do things. Through his guidance, we're able to to do things and we're able to to bring strategies into play and we're able to envision people. But it has to come from him. It has to flow out of that relationship with him. And if we're relying solely on our own understanding, on, on our own knowledge of things, on our own ability to be able to make things happen, then we're standing on very dodgy ground. Because it has to flow out of remaining in him and being in him. Does that make sense? What I'm, you can see where I'm trying to come from here. And we can even look to others for the solution. We can even look to others for our security. We can attach ourselves to people, to leaders, to teachers, to pastors, whoever it might be, we can attach ourselves... Them, we can look to them as being actually. I want to attach myself to this person, I kind of want to be where they are and do the things that they're doing, and and actually, uh, you you know, depend on them. But Francis Chan, someone you you may be aware of, I think he's just a wonderful, wonderful teacher, really humble guy. And he says this when when talking about abiding and what it is to abide in, in Christ, he says that we attach ourselves to people or movements. But we do that when we have access to Jesus himself. He's like, why do we do this? We have access to Jesus himself, but so often we attach ourselves to people before we attach ourselves to him. And he's saying, actually, we need to be connected to him. We have to be connected to Jesus. Everything else flows out from that. But too often we settle being attached to to other people at the expense of actually that connection that we have. With Jesus, I was thought such a, a provocation, but a really important provocation. Now, in recent weeks, uh, we've really had a focus on, on mission, haven't we? We spent four weeks, really, thinking about the mission that Jesus has given to his church, the mission that Jesus has given, his, to, given to his disciples to make disciples of all nations. And if we really think about it, that we, that this task is seemingly impossible. Think about what Jesus has called us to do. To go and make disciples of all nations, of all people. To share the good news of the gospel and to see people respond to that. And it seems seemingly impossible in a world that is so hostile toward the cross. In a world that would say, you can't tell me how it is that I should live my life. No one has the right to tell me actually what I should give my life to or how I should be living but the reason I say that it's seemingly impossible, what I mean by that is, it is impossible if we rely on our own thinking or our own understanding or on earthly strategy. Then we will never see that mission being fulfilled. It will not happen. But it becomes possible when we stay connected to Jesus. And so if we, we, we're kind of coming off, the, this, this week we're coming off the back of four weeks where we've been thinking about mission and you would have been hearing us saying that, a lot over the last four weeks. Look, you have been called, each one of us has been called to go and make disciples. Wherever that may be, wherever God has placed you. And so actually coming into this season, we're thinking, okay, with, with this backdrop of mission and thinking about what it looks like, this series is actually saying, actually, we need to stay connected to him. Because if we want to see this mission being fulfilled, and if we want to play our part fully in the mission that we have, uh, we have been given, then it all comes from being connected to and remaining in Jesus. Okay, so that's kind of by way of introduction as to where this series has come from, some of the thinking that has gone behind it. We're going to read John 15 from verses 1 to 17. And really, out of everything I'm going to say or share this morning, this is the most important thing. It really is. This is the most important thing that I'm going to say or share this morning. These are the words of Jesus that he spoke to his disciples. So I want us to to understand that. These are the words of of Jesus. These aren't just some verses that we've picked out because we think it will support the series that we want to do. These are his words. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to read these verses, then I'm not going to speak for about a minute afterwards. Because I want us to think about, I want you to think about what you've just heard. It can be very easy to quickly rush on because I think actually I've got lots of stuff that I might want to say. Let's rush on to the next thing. But let's just take a minute after I've finished reading. What is it that kind of stands out to you? What questions does it raise for you? So Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says that I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. are some really rich verses there is a lot in there so we don't want to rush through so we're going to spend the next three weeks in these verses we're going to allow ourselves the time and space to think upon these words of jesus i found prep for today i found it quite hard because as i read through these verses i was just like it's hard to know what to include and I was thinking, oh, I could talk about this. And then, oh, but that, what, that links in here and that links in here and fits in. And, oh, this would be really good to speak on. And I was like, oh, I know I'll be cutting into what Pete's going to speak or Mike's going to speak. But, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I want to honour them with what I've given them. But there's so much in there. I, it, it was hard to, to kind of know what to, in a sense, what to limit today too. But in the time that we have left, I just want to really just to set the context. It's important for us to understand the context that Jesus was speaking into. Is to understand why he was saying this at this time, who he was speaking to. And then I want to spend a little bit of time looking at Jesus as the true vine. So we're going to literally, in terms of it, kind of ex- expounding the, the, the verses, Jesus says, I am the true vine. That's as far as we're going to get today. But we're going to think about what that means, and what he meant by that. And then we're going to come and we're going to share communion just think actually right at the outset of this series for us to, to, to break bread together would be the most appropriate response that we could make. So in terms of the context, Jesus at this point is speaking and he's speaking a few hours before he's arrested and taken to be crucified. Okay, So he's having this time with his disciples. It's the last time he's going to spend with them before he's taken from them. He's in the, in the chapters, just a couple of chapters before this, he's told the disciples that he's going away. And they're in a place where they're, they're troubled by this. There, there's fear kind of coming in. And he tells them not to be worried uh, because in chapter 14, so he saying I'm going away. But in chapter 14, he actually says, actually, there, there's one who is coming. There's another helper who has been promised to you that promise, that other helper being the Holy Spirit, that God the Father is so when, when Jesus goes, God the Father is going to send uh, the Spirit to be with them Forever, So he's, he's, he's telling them what's going to happen. Uh, he, he's comforting them, telling them that actually the Spirit is going to be sent. He's going to be with them forever. And then if we were to jump a, a little bit ahead of chapter 15, in chapter 17, what happens is Jesus, having gone from speaking to his disciples and conversing with his, his disciples, Jesus then prays to the Father. Chapter 17 would be what we might know as Jesus' high priestly prayer. And as part of that, we touched on this a few weeks ago, Jesus prays actually not that God would take the disciples out of the world. That was not his intention. His intention was not that they would be taken out of the world. They're not to live separate from it. But rather than that, Jesus, he is sending them into the world. And then later he gives this commission that they're to live as disciples who were to make disciples of all nations. Okay, so we've got all of this is going on, and it's into that context that Jesus speaks these words about him being the true vine, about remaining in him, about being connected to him, about abiding in him, about them bearing fruit, and fruit will last, about loving one another, about obedience and prayer. Because the reason Jesus is saying these words to the disciples is because he's preparing them. It's about them being prepared as his new community for the work that he has prepared for them. For the mission that He is going to call them to, and that is where Jesus is speaking into. And He starts by saying, "I am the true vine." Now, the vine is—it's a a picture of fruitfulness. The reason a vine exists is to bear fruit. A vine produces grapes; it yields grapes. That's the purpose of it. And so, in one sense, we've got Jesus talking about the vine because it's a picture of fruitfulness. And that's something that we're going to look at more next week. Actually, what, what is it to be fruitful, and, and how how are we, a people who are fruitful? But it's deeper than just a simple picture of fruitfulness. Okay, so it, on the one level, it kind of works like that. So it's a, the vine is a picture of fruitfulness. Okay, so we know there's something about bearing fruit that's going to come from what Jesus is saying. But we need to recognise that D, Jesus doesn't say he's like a vine, or he is a vine. He actually says that he is the true vine. There's a deeper meaning or significance that Jesus is trying to convey or that Jesus is conveying. And in saying that he is the true vine, he's communicating something to his disciples with a deeper meaning or significance which they as a Jewish audience would have understood. And for us to understand the significance of Jesus using the imagery of a vine And the significance of him using the words that he has chosen specifically. We need to go back to Abraham. So in Genesis 12. Verses 1 to 3. We see this conversation between God and and Abraham. It says that the Lord said to Abraham. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonours you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So through Abraham and the family that God was going to establish through him, all the nations would be blessed. This was God's promise to him. You will be the father of a great nation Through that nation, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. (laughs) Ultimately, Israel was given a long-term role to fulfill. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. Okay, So to everyone outside of of that nation of Israel, outside of the Jewish community. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. And they were to bring God's salvation to the ends of the earth. That was the long-term role that God had given (laughs) to his chosen people. (coughs) But as we follow the story... Of God's people through history, through, through the reading of scripture. What we see is actually far from them fulfilling the role that God had called them to. They go through times of unfaithfulness. Times of attaching themselves to the gods of other nations. They'd been called to be an influence but, but far from being an influence far too often they were being influenced by the nations around them. Being attracted to, that, to, to the gods of other nations, rather than bringing salvation to the nations uh, to, into to who God had brought them into contact with. So we see this kind of this unfaithfulness and this rebellion against God. But then God would call them back to repentance, and for a season, you know, the people would come back to God. Uh, but then, kind of falling back, and it's I guess the pattern that we see throughout the history of God. And his people. We can even think about. Abraham's descendants. When when Moses leads Abraham's descendants. When he leads the Israelites out of Egypt. To enter into the promised land. A journey that should have taken them 11 days. To reach the promised land. From Egypt. They are actually left in the wilderness for 40 years. Because of their disobedience. And because of their unbelief. This is a a relationship that that had conflict and and struggle going on there. Now, the reason I mention the Exodus out of Egypt is because in Psalm 80, the psalmist writes how God brought a vine out of Egypt. And so we have this imagery where we have uh, the vine as being a symbol of Israel. Okay, so I needed to, to kind of talk through about Abraham. Uh, And and the relationship of God with his people throughout history. uh, Because we we need to see that actually, when when Jesus is speaking about a vine, the the, the imagery and the symbol of the vine was hugely important to the people of Israel. That was the representation of them as a people. And of the, the, the role that God had called them to fulfill in terms of being a blessing to all nations and bringing salvation to all nations. But the image of a vine is also some imagery that the prophet Isaiah used as well. I'm going to read some verses from Isaiah 5 to you. So this is Isaiah prophesying. He says, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice, choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes. You see, this is, what, this is, this is God and his people. He cultivated them as a, as, a, as a vine in order that they would yield grapes, that they would bear fruit, that they would be the ones that would bring salvation to the nations. So he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, and his pleasant planting are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. So again, we've got Israel and Judah depicted as a vineyard, prepared by God to yield grapes, to produce fruit, to be a blessing to the world, to bring salvation to all nations of the world. But rather than the cultivated grapes, in that sense, the cultivated fruit that God had intended them for them to produce, what they yielded was, was wild grapes. Sour, not what God had intended. They had failed God in their long-term role that they had been called to fulfill. And so what happens through their unfaithfulness, through their, un- through their unbelief, through this failing in that role, God removes his protection from them. That's what these verses in Isaiah are saying. God removes that protection from them. And destruction comes upon them. But God's purpose does not fall to the ground. We need to hear this. God's purpose for his people does not fall to the ground. But actually rather than finding its fulfillment through that nation. It finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Bruce Milne in his commentary, he says of Jesus, he says that he is the obedient son through whose sacrifice and consequent mission the age-old purpose of Israel would find fulfillment. So it would find it in Jesus. The nations would be reached and all the families of the earth should bless themselves. The mission of Israel is renewed through Jesus. Jesus the Messiah and the disciple Community. So Jesus is the true vine. He renews that role that God had given to Israel, and where they'd failed and had been unfulfilled. In a sense, Jesus picks. Uh, J- Jesus renews that, and 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 the the, the purposes of God find their fulfilment in Him. Israel was the vine, but He is the true vine, and it is through Him that the purposes of God for all nations to be reached for salvation to come to all nations that comes through Jesus through his death and resurrection Jesus makes a way for us to be found in him that is the good news of the gospel that through his death Jesus took our sin upon himself and he paid the punishment for our sin through his resurrection we have security that because Jesus was raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead. If we are to put our faith in him, if we are to turn from our own way of living and to live with him as king of our lives, we are found in him like branches in the vine, a people prepared to be fruitful. Paul, when he's writing to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 3, he speaks of how that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham has come to the, to the Gentiles. Again, so those not, not kind of constrained to the, to the Jewish people, but reaching out beyond that. It's what Jesus is, the work of Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross through his death and resurrection means that the blessing of Abraham has come to all people in a way that it wasn't able to before. It's only Jesus that has made that possible. So now all nations... All people groups, all tribes, all tongues can be connected into him, the true vine. Now, even before we get on to thinking about fruitfulness, we're going to do that next week and think more about that. But before we get to thinking about that, we must realize that the very life, when, when we think about a vine and, and its branches, the very life of the branches is totally dependent on the vine, isn't it? It is absolutely dependent on the vine because the vine is where life flows from and the life that we have in Jesus is a gift of grace not something that we've earned we, we, we haven't attached ourselves to Jesus in that sense the life that we have is because he's extended grace to us and given it to us 1 Corinthians 611 Paul right to the church in Corinth he's in, in the verses before this he's speaking about the, the types of um, those who, who wouldn't inherit the kingdom of God saying that people like this and this and this is what they're doing he's saying they won't inherit the kingdom of God but then he goes on to say and such were some of you such were some of you but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit of our God it's Jesus who has washed us clean of our sin and our rebellion It's him who's restored us. Where there was conflict between us and God. He's restored us and reunited us. To the father. He's the one who washed us. You are clean. Because Jesus says you're clean. You're forgiven. Because he. Jesus proclaims forgiveness over your life. It's all his doing. It's all his gift of grace. To us. And it's because of that. We can be found in him like branches in a vine. Now we're going, we're going to break bread together now. And when we come to break bread and take communion, we remember his body, Jesus' body broken for us. And his blood shed for us. It's a time of remembrance for us to think upon the sacrifice that he made. And over the next three weeks, we'll look at abiding, and we'll look at fruitfulness, we'll look at prayer, we'll look at obedience, we'll look at love for one another. But all of these are only possible because Jesus gave himself for us. He is the true vine. Apart from, we can't talk about fruitfulness. We can't talk about what it is to be obedient. We can't talk about it is, what it is to love one another Unless we recognise who the who the vine is, and how it could be that we could we could be connected to the true vine, which is why I want us to start this series by remembering and and celebrating Jesus together. Celebrating Jesus, the true vine, for His sacrifice and for His victory. I just think we we need to really—it's not meant to be a pun—but we need to root ourselves at this point in recognising it's about him he is the true vine anything else that we're talking about through this series is only possible because God's promises and God's purposes find their fulfilment in him and through him we have been brought into relationship with God and we are found in him